At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. The Koala Moon podcast has revolutionized over 20 million bedtimes with parents like you calling it life-changing and the perfect nighttime routine. With original kids' bedtime stories and cosy sleep meditations, every episode has been specially designed to make bedtimes a dream. Listen to Koala Moon on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just want to get in the game. With your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No. Geek. Geek. Only on the VSIN Podcast Network. What up, folks? Welcome in. Special edition of Hardwood Handicappers. Uh, we're going to be doing these after every single NBA Finals matchup. So um, welcome in to our post-game edition of Hardwood Handicappers. Game 1, NBA Finals in the books, and the Boston Celtics have a 1-0 series lead after dismantling Golden State in the fourth quarter. 120-108, your final score. Celtics close as a three-and-a-half-point underdog. Game goes over the total of 213-and-a-half, so the dog wins outright. Game goes over. Story is uh, the fourth quarter in which the Celtics outscore the Warriors 40-16 to to get the win on the road and take home court advantage. So there's a lot to get into uh, when it comes to this matchup overall. So let's, of course, start with the obvious, which is that final quarter of play in a brilliant fourth quarter from one Jalen Brown and the group that was out there. Al Horford was awesome in the last five minutes as well. But Boston ends the third. They got Brown. Derek White, Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams, Robert Williams out on the floor. They're down 14 after they give up a three to go down 92-78 going into the final frame. Udoka shifts the lineup a bit at the beginning of the fourth. You get White, Pritchard, Brown, Tatum, Robert Williams to take the floor, and Jalen Brown absolutely takes over. How about this first 650 from the fourth quarter? So the first six minutes and 50 seconds of the final frame, Jalen Brown scores 10 points, dishes four assists, goes 4-4 four four from the floor, 2-2 two two from three-point range, has a steal, also turns the ball over, and just like that, a 14-point game lead is eliminated, just absolutely eliminated, obliterated, and they finally take the lead with, uh, I would say, well, yeah, the 5-10 mark. Al Horford hit a 27-footer off a of Peyton Pritchard pass to go up 106-103, and they never look back from there. Uh, a brilliant, brilliant fourth quarter from the Boston Celtics, and and like they, there's just there's so much from this game 
But I think at the end, like the most basic takeaway here is the Boston Celtics are every bit as good as we expected them to be. I should say we, the, the people who were in on Boston coming into this series, not that this is going to be any indicator how the series plays out, but this Celtics team, when they're putting things together, are a force to be reckoned with. And they did this with Jason Tatum scoring 12 points on 3-17 shooting from the floor. He was um, abysmal in terms of his scoring. But his facilitating was on point. There were many times where he was missing wide open shots, so he became a little bit more of a passer. was brilliant. 13 assists from Tatum, allowing Jalen Brown to kind of lead the way here. He was awesome. And Brown didn't even end up being the leading scorer. He only had 24. Horford was their leading scorer at 26. Um, and Horford was absolutely brilliant in his own right. Six of eight from three-point range overall, nine of 12 from the floor. Uh, but Brown and the way that he took over at the, tarp, the top of that fourth quarter was, man, it, it was something to watch. So there, there's a lot there's a lot of things that we can talk about here. And there's some cool stats out there too. Uh, and you know me, I like some of these numbers, so it's worth including a couple of these. Uh, this is from ESPN Stats and Info, for example. Boston Celtics' first team in NBA history to win a finals game by double digits after trailing by double digits entering the fourth quarter. Their win probability fell as low as 4% when they were down 15 near the end of the third quarter. And they come just absolutely storming back in that final quarter. And, and like the incredible part, about what Boston pulled off in this. Outside of Tatum not really playing that well in this game and not providing much scoring and especially efficient scoring, it's when you look at the group that was out there on the floor for them in that fourth quarter of play, it wasn't like the usual suspects. Marcus Smart didn't even get on the floor until they were up 109 to 103. Jason Tatum, as we talked about, was not the guy that we expect him to be. That's what the crazy part about this game was. And, you know, we can dive into, I know that there's going to be a lot of people that look at this, and Draymond Green, after the game, was talking about the three-point shooting for Boston, and they went 21-41, of and how, I think uh, Draymond mentioned the fact that Al Horford went 6-8, of Marcus Smart went 4-7, of and uh, Derek White went 5-8, of and said, ah, yeah, we're going to be fine. I mean, you can say that, uh, but at the same time, don't think Tatum's going to put together a performance like that, and every bit of what you got from Jalen Brown uh, is replicable. Jalen Brown is that guy. And... I think when you're talking about it, because offense is always going to take it, right? Offense and what they were able to do, dropping 40 in that quarter. But lest we forget that they held the Warriors to 16 points in that fourth quarter. And this is a key stat for you. This is from Harlebob Vulgaris um, up on Twitter. I'll pull this up exactly so I can get the, the exact amount that I got here. In quarters, essentially what happened was in the first three quarters of play, um, the Boston Celtics... They weren't really switching anything. I mean, they were, but not to the same extent. This is from um, Harlebob Bulgaris. Switching in terms of the quarters one through three. So they switched the pick and roll the Celtics did 18% of the time. In the fourth quarter, 29% of the time. They were, I thought they were brilliant defensively in the fourth quarter. The two quarters for them that were their best Boston the second quarter defensively was absolutely brilliant. They, they forced seven turnovers, held Golden State to 22 points, and the fourth quarter where they fell them to 16 points and were switching nearly a quarter of the pick and rolls that they were seeing there. Uh, they checked all of the boxes, the Boston Celtics in this game, and they did it not playing some of their best basketball. And so there's a lot to dive into as we move forward here from a betting perspective and how the market handles this in terms of the betting public is going to be pretty fascinating after we watch them kind of get their faces caved in here in this game. So we see the opening numbers now for game two. They're up. Warriors open up a four-point favorite with a total of 215 and a half. 
Uh, the Mirage right now, it's BetMGM, I should say. Uh, and they're ten, they tend to be a little off market um, by a half point with some juice, so it doesn't really matter that much. Uh, it's a lone four and a half right now. So the fours are out there. And I got to tell you, look, the betting market loves the zigzag theory. It's baked into it every single time. It's why this, this opens a half point higher than game one because the market is banking on the Warriors to come back. The market is going to bet the Warriors to win and cover this game. Uh, but I'm sorry. Came into this thinking that the Celtics were the better team. Bet them in game one, and I'm going to continue to do so here. Um, it's not – I just – if you've listened to my work and if you read my work – you know how I feel about spots and situations and theories and all of these things. And to me, just because you lost game one and failed to cover, that does not mean that you're a half point better than you were in game two. Or yeah, or that not that doesn't mean that you're a half point better in game two. Just put it that way. Um, and that's what this is telling you, right? All of a sudden, the Warriors get a half point better. They become, uh, it is more probable that they win this game, cover the spread, whatever, because they lost the first and they failed to cover. To me, that's ridiculous if you're handicapping in this way. If you're talking about home court and the way that this thing has panned out, uh, home court has a value of three and a half points now at this point in this postseason. The Warriors are not a better team than the Boston Celtics. They're not. And a four-point spread tells you that. A three and a half-point spread, which closed today, told you that they are equals. They're not. And the other part about this, too, is this is the best road team in the NBA in the Boston Celtics. Now today, after today's result, the Boston Celtics, these numbers are ridiculous with what they've been able to do on the road in this, in this postseason up to this point. Uh, Boston Celtics, 8-2 and two straight up, 9-1 and one against the spread on the road in this postseason. 33-16-2 on the road this season against the spread if you include the regular season. This has been a team who, when they play on the road, is not phased in any way, shape, or form. They came into this game with the best net rating away from home in non-garbage time minutes. That is only going to get better with this uh, absolutely incredible performance. I just don't see how, from a betting perspective, why is a better, after what happened today, you would go in and lay a half point more with the Golden State Warriors just because they lost game one. just doesn't make that much sense to me. It doesn't <laughs> at all. So, right, like, think about this from this perspective of a total, right? The total now closes 213.5, goes well over, so now we get the total reopening at 215.5, 216, right? But the market is adjusting because of the result at hand. But it, it, think about it from, like, this perspective. It's like thinking that, okay, this game went over, they're not going to perform at the same level. So instead of, you know, adjusting the total to 215.5, 216, let's open this up at 210.5 again because they're not going to do the same thing. There's going to be a bounce back here. And that's just not the case. I don't know. I think it's wild in terms of the zigzag and the belief that the market has in it. But that's what you're going to do. So to me, game two, right back to the well when it comes to um, betting the Boston Celtics. I don't think you've seen anything in this first game that would deter you if you were on the side that I was in terms of looking at the Celtics as the better team. And Tatum's not going to have that same performance again. And it was a brilliant thing. And also, there's just the defensive aspect of this or just, you know, what the Warriors need as they move forward in the series because you kind of know what the Celtics need, right? They need Tatum to be uh, a little bit more aggressive and decisive when he was talking about his scoring or when it comes to his scoring. Uh, I think Robert Williams at times, he had some really good moments, really good blocks, but at other times looked a little bit lost and indecisive defensively as well. Uh, maybe hampered a little bit by that uh, injury that he is suffering. So maybe that's a little worrisome as we move forward here. But for the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry was brilliant. And in that first quarter when he drops 21 points, absolutely incredible. But at the same time, 
you know, when you're looking around and looking for other consistent offensive outlets for the Golden State Warriors, I mean, Draymond Green was absolutely terrible in this game from an offensive standpoint. Yes, you know, at one point they were like plus 20 in his minutes. That fourth quarter, though, didn't matter. They were outscored. The Warriors were by a point when he was out there on the floor. Draymond Green, he was 2 of 12. He's only scored four points. There were times that he would, he, and this is the thing, there's times where he catches the ball and he is at top of the key and he's completely parallel or excuse me, uh, perpendicular, like in terms of facing the basket. He's just facing one of the sidelines because he's dribble handoff or screening or doing whatever, not even looking to score. And from three-point range, they left him wide open. He was 0-4. He got to the free throw line three times, bricked all three of them. Y- you need more. And, and I'm not asking for 15 points. I had a lot of people like, you've never watched Draymond Green before, huh? Like, no, I'm not asking for 15 points from Draymond Green. Am I asking for four of six from the four? Like an efficient kind of night here? I think that's enough to ask for Draymond Green. Hit one wide open three, if you can. Don't think that's too much to ask for Draymond Green. And also, you know, like there were a couple of sets where they had Andre Iguodala. There was a sequence down the stretch of this game where Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green were on the floor together. And both of them caught the ball with nobody within six feet and both passed up on a shot for an extra pass because they can't shoot. Like those kind of lineups to me, are just unsustainable. And Andre Iguodala had some moments. He hit his lone three-point shot. He was three or four from the floor. But at the end of the day, like those Iguodala and Draymond Green minutes are not the same that they were six years ago. <laughs> and so, like, you're, I, I just I think when you're looking at this from the perspective of how the Warriors bounce back and what they're doing moving forward, Curry's clearly brilliant. Curry was clearly aggressive and looking for his own shot. His assist down, five assists. Um, but 12 to 25 from the floor, 7 to 14 from three-point range. Mentioned the... Um, the awesome first quarter that he had. But you need, I think, more consistent shot creation, which I don't know is on this roster. Um, you know, Jordan Poole today was not very good from an offensive standpoint. And I forgot who put it up on Twitter, but if Poole's only going to give you nine points, two or seven from the floor, it's not going to cut it because he's a defensive liability that they're going to go after. And the Celtics went after Steph Curry a bunch on defense too. There, as you, as you kind of move forward in this series – it's just after one game, we can talk. You can tell me that the Celtics aren't going to shoot like that. My response will be that Tatum won't shoot like that. You could tell me that Jordan Poole's not going to have a, a night like that, but I, I would very much argue that he, there is a chance that he could because of the way that the Celtics team has the ability to switch and get in the jerseys of multiple guys and not let good dudes get clean looks as they move forward in this series. I just I came into this thinking Boston's the better team. Came into game one thinking the market was wrong on Boston in terms of the number. And when we open up at three, going to be right back there when it comes to game uh, two for the Boston Celtics. Now, a couple of other notes on this, too, before we get out of here. Um, first off, some adjusted prices now as we move forward. Boston Celtics on the series, anywhere in the range of minus 175 to win this thing now on the series price. So, personally, I'm in a pretty good position. Like, I, I got to tell you. So, I got this ticket 66-1 to one on the Celtics to win the NBA Finals. And I feel like... Um, is it Wolf of Wall Street? I think it's Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street with Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, right where he comes out. He's like, "I'm not fucking leaving. Um, I, I, I'm not fucking hedging." I, I think that's that. That is how I feel at this point right now. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I like this Celtics team a lot. I like obviously the position that they're in. If you're in a position, I know a lot of people who have some sort of Celtics ticket uh, in one shape or another. So now you're sitting on a plus price. On the Golden State Warriors, you're in a pretty good position to hedge. And by the way, we're up to four and a half over at DraftKings, which opened it up for. So uh, this number is continuing to move. I think it's a little ridiculous. And it's minus 110 both ways as I'm speaking to you right now. Or I should say recording. So the series price has been adjusted. And obviously the uh, Celtics very much 
big favorite here, minus 175. The other thing that's worth mentioning here is the MVP market. Um, right now, and this was the BetMGM was the first market to throw these up. Jason Tatum still your favorite to win Finals MVP at plus 140. Steph Curry plus 180. Jalen Brown five to one. Marcus Smart 16 to one. As is Al Horford. The, the Clay Thompson 25 to one. Wiggins 25 to one. And Draymond Green. The fact that Draymond Green is 40 to one is absolutely ridiculous. He's not going to sniff this award um, with a performance like that. You should be getting 200 to one on a guy like Draymond Green after what he did in Game One. But honestly, I don't know how Jalen Brown's not the favorite to win this thing at this point right now. He was brilliant at the start of the fourth quarter. He was their main offensive creator when Jalen, or excuse me, when Jason Tatum was not available to them in terms of offensive efficiency. Um, so he was their main scorer, I should put it that way, not creator. Um, but at the top, that stretch at the top of the fourth quarter, what Jalen Brown did was absolutely mind-boggling, incredible. And if you were like me and you took Brown at 13-1 to to win this thing, in terms of finals MVP, you should be in a, you're in a very good position after that first game with the Celtics win and the performance that Jalen Brown had. I think him and Horford, actually, he and Horford should probably be your favorites, top two favorites in that order, to win this thing right now. So here we are. Celtics, 1-0 series lead, catching four and a half now in game two. I think the market's a little ridiculous, but I guess that's what the zigzag's worth at this point. You know what? As I'm talking to you, let's do this really quickly because Dave Tooley, my colleague here at VSIN, has done an incredible job tracking the zigzag theory throughout the postseason. Um, so let's see what his last tweet was in terms of the record for zigzag. Let's see. Oh, I don't think he's updated since May 3rd. Is that the case? No way. Come on, Tooley. No shot. Let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Oh, look at that. Maybe that is the case. Thule. Not uh, not updating the uh, the zigzag theory in the NBA lately. Huh, Tools? I know this great, This makes for great podcasting as you're listening to me scroll through Dave Thule's Twitter feed uh, to try to find out what the zigzag theory is at for the postseason. And uh, I should probably delete this part. But this is, you know what, this is what you guys want in terms of here we go got it zigzag theory this season 37 and 30 ATS 55.2 percent overall so you're slightly up if you've been following the zigzag theory so I'm sure that uh that is going to be a popular bet 55.2 percent so far in this postseason maybe I'm wrong maybe the Celtics are uh, maybe the Warriors are um the team to back here in game two but I will say this the zigzag is baked into the number. You're not getting value. Again, you're laying, think about that. In some spots already, you're laying a full point more with Golden State because they failed to cover game one. To me, that's just not something I'm buying into. And I'll take another point. I'll take an extra point with a team that covered and won by double digits in game one. All right, that's it. We're done again. Uh, so we'll have these post game every single game throughout the NBA finals. And it also it won't just be me. I'll see if I can finagle a guest or two and join us right after the NBA finals games. And 
see what they thought. But make sure you check it out, vcin.com. All the write-ups, of course, throughout the NBA Finals up at vcin.com slash JVT. And also Hardwood Handicappers coming up on Sunday. Good show on tap. We're going to have a lot of NBA draft content as well as NBA Finals content. And uh, that's when Game 2 is. We don't get till Sunday for Game 2. And that's the interesting part from a betting perspective as well. Uh, this market gets to really kind of shape up in the days between games and Sharp bettors get to make their opinions known, so we'll see how this works. We saw it with the total. The total got pounded up, and that thing went over. So keep an eye on those market moves as we lead into Game 2 of the NBA Finals.